and welcome to And Why Not, the movie podcast from the nerds who haunted themselves. I'm Stuart Moraine, and in the grand tradition of the BBC Film Programme, or Siskel and Ebert for our US listeners, I'll be sharing my 10 favourite films of the year in this special Films of the Year episode. Unlike those shows, though, you won't be hearing the informed opinions of Barry Norman, or indeed Siskel and Ebert, but rather just those of myself. Sorry about that. Well, actually, you won't just be hearing from me, as you'll also be hearing from some of the guests who've joined us on And Why Not during 2022, so there'll be some respite from my voice. Before we get started, though, a little bit of housekeeping. This episode will feature me running down my 10 favourite films of 2022. These films had a wide UK release either in cinemas, on streaming, or as Sky exclusive between January and the end of uh, November 2022. With the exception of my final film of the year pick, these will be presented in no particular order, as these top 10s are generally malleable and, you know, they're interchangeable. These are my personal choices based on both my personal enjoyment of the films uh, and my perceived merits of them. That doesn't mean there weren't arguably better films in the year, but these are the ones that I enjoyed the most. It's not a definitive list, and your own list will and should vary from mine. It's also worth pointing out that I haven't seen every film released this year. Film watching is a hobby for me, not a profession, so between work and family commitments there isn't a lot of time to see everything, or even most of the films that are released in a year. Anyway, with all that out of the way, let's get down to the business at hand and kick things off with my first film pick of the year. My father's paintings were stolen. The Picasso was appraised at $20 million. Well, it hardly seems worth stealing. You're not a detective. But I was an investigative reporter. It's an occupation that's been cheapened by the digital age, like president. Earl Maurice Fletcher. They caught me in the middle of a yawn. Can you imagine that? Who killed this young woman? I think the victim interrupted an art theft. Your fingerprints are on the murder weapon, and someone matching your description was seen with the victim. Come back with me to police headquarters. I get it. You want my help? Okay. Hey, guys, is there a way we can call in a coffee order? I'd kill for a macchiato. Not literally. I looked into your criminal record. And? You're a bit of a shady character, Mr. Fletcher. <sighs> but I am adorable. If you did kill that girl, do the right thing and give me an exclusive. Let's talk about the suspects. Countess de Grazia married Papa for his money. Somehow she's involved. Flesh. She's trying to seduce me. Quite the collection of impressionists you have here. Those are reproductions. That's how we introduce my children. Why did you lie to me? You're becoming paranoid. Maybe you should get a gun. Did you murder that girl? Oh, okay. no, I didn't. Did you? What is this? Woodburn and Bernstein? Almost. This stupid idiot moron has something to do with this. You want me on the outside so I can solve this thing. Are you Fletcher? Yes, I am. Oh! I mean, no, I'm not. I always get that wrong. I don't know who people hate more. Cops or reporters? It's cops. Confess Fletch was the genuine surprise of the year for me. Not only did I have no idea it was coming out until the trailer dropped early this year, but it was a huge relief that the film was so good. I'm a big fan of the 1985 Chevy Chase film, and to a lesser extent its sequel Fletch Lives, and the couple of Gregory MacDonald Fletch novels I've read, so it was great to see a new take on the character come to the screen, especially after so many failed, sometimes thankfully, attempts to bring the character back to the cinemas. But it seems that it was worth the wait. 
This very much is an adaptation of McDonald's novels, rather than an attempt to update or do a legacy sequel to the Chase films. Director Greg Matola gives the film the feel of a great Elmer Leonard adaptations of the late 90s, like you get shorties, you're out of sights, that sort of thing, but injects it with the comedy still as well, which is the perfect approach to the source material, both because it sets the film apart from the Chase films, and allows John Hamm's Fletch to stand on his own as a character. This isn't the Chevy Chase Fletch films. It's somewhere between the Chevy Chase Fletch films and the McDonald novels. This is very much John Hamm's film. John Hamm is Fletch, and the film is the better for it. And I, for one, would be very keen to see more of John Hamm's Fletch in future films. Where's our kid? Mission? For what? We accidentally built the lunar module. A little too small. How'd that happen? Listen, are you good at math? Yeah. Do you get a perfect 100 on every test? No. Okay. We need a kid like you to test this accidentally smaller version on the lunar surface and soon. Stan, you're our only hope. Okay. Great. Let's forget about all this for now. We'll come back to this part later. First, let me tell you about life back then. Living in the Houston area in the late 60s, it was a great time and place to be a kid. But the world was changing, and so was how we saw ourselves in it. Right on. <laughs> Mom, is that one a hippie? Yeah, yeah, that's a hippie. How about that one? No, his hair's not long enough. But he's wearing bell bottoms. OK, that's a hippie. I think I like hippies. This is a covert operation. That means it does not exist. No one can know about this. Not your parents, not your brothers, not your sisters. No one. Three, two, one. T minus 60 seconds and counting. Ignition sequence starts. Six, five, four, three. Stan, are you ready? Ready. Apollo 10 and a half. This is Houston. Do you read? Another genuine surprise of a film this year came from Richard Linklater and his film Apollo 10 and a Half, A Space Age Childhood, which seemed to drop from nowhere on Netflix early this year with no fanfare or real publicity. But for those of us who did stumble across it, we were rewarded with a wonderful coming-of-age rotoscope animation that mixes the memories of a historical moment with the pure joy of a child's imagination to create this magical story filled with the narrator's rose-tinted nostalgia and fantasy of both the incredible story he creates for himself and of his family and life growing up with them at that time. It's a genuine shame that it didn't get more fanfare and attention when it was released, especially given some of the things that Netflix does put effort into promoting, but for those of us who did stumble across it, it was a wonderful surprise, and I highly recommend checking it out if you've got Netflix. We all have a story to tell. But what makes each one different is not how the story ends, but rather the place where it begins. Oh, holy God. Mama says if we went across the water, they wouldn't understand the way we talk. If they can't understand you, then they're not listening. You know who you are, don't you? Your buddy from Belfast 
where everybody knows you. Hey, buddy! Your mom's calling you yet! We're looking to cleanse the community a wee bit. You wouldn't want to be the old man out in the street. Touch my family and I'll kill you. We'll fight this together. This is it. This is what? This is war. We're living in a civil war. What do you want? I want my family with me. I want you. Kids the same age as ours are getting killed. We can give these boys a better chance than we ever had. I know nothing else but Belfast. Go now. Don't look back. Much like Apollo 10 and a half, Belfast is set around the same time, but unlike Apollo, it's about a childhood happening, not in the glorious wonder of man going to the moon, but around the start of the horrors of the Troubles in Northern Ireland. Now a film set during the Troubles probably doesn't sound like the most fun watch of the cinema, let alone one that is warm and funny in a way that many modern comedies struggle with in the most pleasant of settings, but it's to the credit of Kenneth Branagh and his cast that Belfast pulls it off. From the colour opening fading into the glorious black and white of memory, the film is beautiful to look at with likeable characters. Although it's set during the Troubles, they happen around the story of the film rather than focus on it, instead seeing it from the perspective of the childhood innocence of Jude Hill's buddy, who's wonderful in the role, and his relationship with his family around him, especially his grandparents played by Kieran Hines and Judi Dench, again both wonderful in the roles. And the scene where they go see Chitty Chitty Bang Bang at the cinema is pure cinematic magic. If you've not seen it yet, I highly recommend checking out Belfast. It's a glorious film and an essential watch. What do we have here? Yeah, here I thought we were special. Fellas, this here's Bagman. Hangman. Oh, whatever. What the hell kind of mission is this? <laughs> Everyone here is the best there is. Who the hell are they going to get to teach us? Captain Pete Maverick Mitchell. Let me be perfectly blunt. You are not my first choice. You are here at the request of Admiral Kazansky, AKA Iceman. He seems to think that you have something left to offer the Navy. What that is, I can't imagine. With all due respect, sir, I'm not a teacher. Just want to manage the expectations. What the hell? Good morning, aviators. This is your captain speaking. And we're off. Here we go. In three, two, one. We're going into combat on a level no living pilot's ever seen. Not even him. You think up there you're dead. Believe me. My dad believed in you. I'm not gonna make the same mistake. Someone's not coming back from this. 
Those are your pilots. Anything happens to them. You'll never forgive yourself. No turning back now. Now, if you'd have told me when it was announced that Top Gun 2 was going into production that it would be making my best of the year list, I probably would have told you crazy. The first Top Gun is an okay movie, but it never really did it for me as it did for those who love it. It's also one of those films that feels like it said all it had to say with one film, so a legacy sequel all seemed rather redundant. So it was a genuine surprise when I started to get caught up in the excitement for Top Gun Maverick coming out, and an even bigger surprise when the film itself blew me away. Of course there's very little here that we haven't seen before in other movies, but in many ways, that variation on something familiar is what worked so well for the film. It's everything an action blockbuster should be. Dumb fun that appears smarter than it is because you invest in the characters and the dumbbuster style mission they have to go on. In many ways, it's everything a big screen summer blockbuster experience should be. A genuinely fun, popcorn cinematic experience in the best possible way. From Baz Luhrmann, the director who reimagined Shakespeare, reinvented the musical, and redefined a classic comes a bold new vision of an American icon. But this ain't no nostalgia show. We're gonna do something different. Comic book heroes all find their superpowers. Elvis found music. Uh, bring that bass up, Jerry. I wish to promote you, Mr. Presley. I believe I can be great. Some people wanted to put me in jail. It's the world's moving. Don't so much as wiggle a finger. I'm gonna tell you what the real Elvis is like In that moment, Elvis, the man, was sacrificed. And Elvis, the god, was born. I would do anything to make sure my mom and daddy never have to live in poverty ever again. I think if you dream it, you'll do it. I'm done? Yeah. Colonel, you put an end to your boy's animal behavior, or we will. There's a lot of people saying a lot of things. But in the end, you gotta listen to yourself. You bled me dry, and you still want more? I am a promoter. That is what I do. What you see is God-given, so there can't be nothing wrong with it. Are you ready to fly? I'm ready to fly. Elvis, ready PG-13, Friday. Baz Luhrmann's Elvis is a cinematic spectacle that was designed for and to be seen on the big screen, and is everything you'd expect, for better or worse, from a Baz Luhrmann music biopic. Austin Butler captivates his Elvis, so much so that you forget you're not actually watching the actual Elvis up on screen. Luhrmann brings his flair to the film, adding the feel of some of Presley's own films to parts, which adds an enormous sense of fun to it all. Of course it hits every musical biopic cliche along the way, and has the subtlety of a sledgehammer to the face at times, 
but it was a wonderful cinematic experience that while it possibly does lose something when you watch it at home on the small screen, it was a prime example of what the big screen was made for. And as we now find ourselves at the halfway point of my list, it seems like a good time to stop and take a look at which films have been dominating at the UK box office in the last year and see what you've all been spending your money on. So here are the 10 highest earners at UK cinemas, according to Box Office Mojo, at the time of recording this episode. In at number 10, we have Black Panther Wakanda Forever which is impressive considering it's just come out at the time of recording this and has only been out for a couple of weeks. At 9 we have Sonic the Hedgehog 2. At 8 is Spider-Man No Way Home. At 7 is Jurassic World Dominion. At 6 is Sing 2. At 5 is Thor Love and Thunder. At 4 we have The Batman. At 3 we have Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. At 2 it's Minions The Rise of Gru. And at number 1 at both the UK box office and the worldwide box office is Top Gun Maverick. I mean, it's all fairly standard stuff, really, as we'd ex- probably expect. So with that, we should probably get back to the business at hand and get on with my next film on the list. This is Wang. This is Wang. Mrs. Wang, are you with us? I am paying attention. Now, you may only see a pile of receipts, but I see a story. I can see where this story is going. It does not look good. What's happening? Evelyn, I'm not your husband. I'm another version of one from another universe. I'm here because we need your help. Very busy today. There's no time to help you. Across the multiverse, I've seen thousands of Evelyns. You can access all their memories, their emotions, even their skills. There's a great evil spreading throughout the many verses. And you may be your only chance of stopping it. Don't make me fight you. I am really good. I don't believe you. He's waiting in the wings. The universe. He speaks of senseless things. Is so much bigger. Than you realize. Of all the places I could be, I just want to be here with you. Remember our mission concerning the fate of every single world of our infinite multiverse. There is no way I am the Evelyn you are looking for. Every rejection, every disappointment has led you here. To this moment. Don't let anything distract you from it. Isn't it always the way you go years without a multiverse movie and then two come along at once? And in this year in which we had two movies exploring the idea of multiverses, only one of them had the imagination to truly embrace the potential of what and how that can be realised on film. 
there wasn't the Marvel movie, but perhaps more surprisingly, the one that kicks off with receipts and an IRS audit. Everything Everywhere All at Once is the kind of adventurous sci-fi movie that cinema seems to have been lacking recently, and it's wonderful to see the film be so well received critically and by audiences. The cast, and Michelle Yeoh in particular, are all wonderful, seemingly having a blast playing the various versions of the characters from the different universes and different genres of films as well. A wonderfully invented and unique film that I highly recommend checking out. Let's go. I'm Maylin Lee. I wear what I want, say what I want, 24 7, 365. I know, it's a lot. But I don't got time to mess around. Oh, about that hustle, am I right? Poor town. This is gonna be the best year ever. And nothing's gonna get in my way. Breakfast is ready. Coming. It's gonna be me. Is everything okay? I'm a gross red monster. Don't look at me. Stay back. This happened already? What did you say? Our ancestors had a mystical connection with red pandas. Are you kidding me? This little quirk right us in our family. Oh. <laughs> You're so cute. Sick. I've always wanted a tail. I'm a freak. We love you, May. You're our girl. <sighs> Whoa. You're you. Any strong emotion yes! will release the panda. Abby, hit me. Do you know how dangerous this is? You'll get whipped up into a frenzy and panda all over. OMG! My whole life I've been perfect little May May. But maybe I like this new me. <laughs> Mama's girls. Stop! <laughs> It was a strange decision on the part of Disney to insist on dropping their Pixar releases straight onto Disney+, whilst their own Disney animations got cinematic releases. It was mostly understandable during the pandemic, but there was no good reason for Turning Red to end up there, especially when Lightyear made it into cinemas a few months later. As it was, Turning Red had no chance to make an impact on the box office, but it did make an impact on those who watched it. The animation is a wonderful blend of Pixar, anime and giant kaiju pandas, and the film expertly balances moments of comedy, drama and Pixar magic in a relatable and enjoyable way. And as with all the best Pixar films, Turning Red hits you with a story that's seemingly about one night their idea, in this case a young girl becoming a giant red panda whenever she becomes emotional, but it's actually about something else entirely. In this case, the metaphor of puberty and the changes that children, in this case a young girl in particular, goes through when that happens. But it's also about parents and having to let go of your children, let them become who they want to be and like the things they want to like and just step back and be a guiding force rather than a controlling force. Despite being dumped on Disney+, Plus, the film was largely well received, especially critically, and my youngest son in particular loved it. 
Admittedly, he's had an obsession with Red Pandas for several years now, so that may have swayed his decision to watch it, but I think it's more than that as to why he loved it. But there have been those who have reacted negatively to the film, but that seems to be the case with most high-profile films released that focus on female protagonists or the bodily changes that young women reach at a certain age. But that vocal minority should always be ignored, and if you haven't seen the film yet and have Disney+, Plus, I highly recommend giving the film a watch. Taking me to see basketball or bare-knuckle boxing? We do everything. <laughs> I'm Stanley Sugarman. I'm a scout for the 76ers. So you're 22 years old because you can't be in the draft if you're over 22. Yes, I'm 22 years old. Who's this? It's my son. How old is he? He's 10 years old. Okay. Okay. This Philly thing. There's room to grow there. I want to coach someday. Do you love being away from home all the time? Best chance to win in here is with you out there. What the hell am I still chasing this for? So you're just gonna give up on your journey? Been in this league for 30 years and it's like, I'm nothing. Look at this guy. Do you come to Philly? Your whole world's gonna change overnight. I gotta work. My mom and my daughter, they mean everything to me. Salary's $900,000. He will call in sick. In all the years I've been doing this, have I ever reacted this way? He's raw. We train him, get him in NBA shape. What do you say? Not gonna happen, Stan. You just gotta get back out there. You know, I haven't been home on my daughter's birthday for nine years running. I'm not asking. The Sixers don't know you stashed her. Being the guy who finds the guy matters in this business. Mountains fire you for this. I just want to make sure I do what's right for the kid. He's got a daughter to support. You got a daughter to support. Where are you from? Spain. Sounds weird. Do you think you can stop me? Welcome to America! That wasn't him. That wasn't even close to him. I fly home tomorrow. Is that what you want to do? Hey, do you love this game? I love this game. I live this game. Let's get to work. The draft is in six weeks. If we're gonna do this, we gotta do it ourselves. No doubt about it, that kid's got it. Do you need a hand up? You don't need nobody's help. We need a spark. This is all for you, pal. It's for us. Okay, it's for us. Despite being fairly uninterested in sport itself, I'm a sucker for a sports movie. Clichés and all. As seems to be the case with many of the decent films Netflix dropped this year, Hustle arrived with little fanfare ahead of it. As with most of his recent output, Adam Sandler is at his best in these drama films, where he's called upon to give a more dramatic performance rather than a comedic one. That's not to say that there isn't comedy here. There is. It's just that it's more of a natural byproduct of his performance rather than something that the film relies on. He's both likeable and engaging as the lead, and is the huge reason for why this film doesn't slip into your standard sports movie type fare. Yes, all the sports movie tropes are on display here, but that doesn't matter. The film uses it to its advantage, instead focusing on the relationship between Sandler, his wife, played by Queen Latifah, and his daughter, and the young basketball player he discovers on the streets of Spain. A wonderfully enjoyable and engaging sports movie. If you've got Netflix, I highly recommend checking it out. Your grandfather is a selfish old prick who resents taking care of his family. Uh, yeah. You all end up back here at my house. Welcome. You're only uncle. So I'm also your favorite uncle. Right? Sounds like some movie. <laughs> I have no 
no idea how that you are going to law school. So you can sue your father for child support. No, so he can help with your fines about the septic tank. No, here we go. Hey, whose kid is that? My sister. Which sister? The hot one or the crazy one? What, are you gonna die? <laughs> okay, two rules. I'm never gonna let you in. And I'm gonna always tell you the truth. Your father is deadbeat. I'll take care of you. Teach you the male sciences. I saw you in the yard playing sports. You're not very good. I'll find some other activities. I like to read. You read enough of those? Maybe. You could become a writer. One more thing, very important. Never hit a woman. Even if she stabs you with scissors. Got it. See me and Julio down by the schoolyard. Got an announcement. Today, my nephew is officially a man. <laughs> it is a great pleasure to offer you a place in the Yale class of 1986. Hey, I'm JR. Sydney, you're in my class. I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm on my way. So what do you want to be, JR? I'm going to be a writer. But what's your main theme? The absent father. Poor boy who wants a rich girl. She doesn't love you. What you do next is going to be important. Would you go and stare up at the building in the rain? No. Well, I'm on my way. I don't know where I'm going, and I'm on my way. What are you going to do without the bad guy in your life? In life, you got to have it. If you don't have it, you never get it. And I say you got it. 2022 has been something of the year of the coming-of-age movie. And looking at my list, I seem to have fallen for it completely. But The Tender Bar was the perfect film to kick the year off with, and it's a wonderful coming-of-age film based on J.R. Moringer's memoir of the same name. The film follows J.R. as he grows up, abandoned by his father, but finding father figures in his uncle and the patrons of his bar. It's the relationship between Ben Affleck as Uncle Charlie and J.R., played as a child by Daniel Ranieri and Ty Sheridan as a young man, that is the heart of this warm, feel-good drama about becoming who you are, and the love and support of the family and those around you who believe in you and want the best for you. It's the kind of film that could easily slip into mawkish sentiment, but in the hands of George Clooney as director and the incredible cast he's assembled, the film doesn't do that, instead feeling real and authentic. If you have Prime Video, I highly recommend giving The Tender Bar a watch. Before we move on to my film of the year, I asked some friends of the show who've guested on the pod over the last year to pick their film of the year and share it with us. So here they are with their films of the year. Hi, this is Ross Beamish. My film of 2022 was Top Gun Maverick. I've become so disillusioned by mainstream Hollywood film over the last decade. It just seems so relentless at regurgitating the same old tired thing over and over, reboot after remake, which in some ways makes this choice of mine ironic. But wasn't this just the tonic we needed? I've yet to meet anyone who didn't enjoy it. Pitch perfect, respectful to the original whilst being its own thing. Emotional, funny, genuine and damned exciting. It was everything it needed to be and more. In my opinion, it surpasses the original by some way, but retains the DNA of what many of us look fondly back at without being a trite imitation. Also, by now, if Tom Cruise isn't the single greatest movie star who's ever lived, then I don't know who is. I'm not sure I'm cured of my cynicism just yet, but this film went a long way to helping me back to a hope that there are still solid writers in Hollywood 
and producers who still care about cinema. It made me nostalgic, not in a faded memory of a childhood experience, but for why I fell in love with cinema in the first place. And for that reason, it's my top film for 2022. And no doubt it will go down as a modern classic. Hi, this is Jailan Salah. My film of 2022 was Elvis, directed by Baz Luhrmann and starring the mesmerizing Austin Butler and Tom Hanks. I picked Elvis because I thought it had all the elements of a great immersive movie experience. For me, uh, first of all, Austin Butler is a great actor on the rise and I can't wait to watch him in more roles. Second, I love Baz Luhrmann. I think he's extravaganza, over the top, in a good way that only he can do it right and the soundtrack was just great it's it's an intense movie it's emotional and it's a great musical piece and it although this year had many great movies but this one just stood out among the rest for me hi it's tony esmond here just replying to your message Stu, about my favorite film of the last year it was going to be mad god by phil tippett um which i only watched recently but i've just looked at and discover that it's 2021 that it came out. So, easy second choice. Um, easily one of my favourite movies from this director for donkey's years is Crimes of the Future, which came out this year, starring Viggo Mortensen and directed by David Cronenberg. Just absolutely incredible. Um, go and watch it. Hi, this is Stacey Taylor. You might remember me from such episodes as Commando and Masters of the Universe. And surprising nobody who knows me, but probably a lot of people who like films, my top film of 2022 is Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the movie. It is brilliant. The voice acting is amazing. Ben Schwartz pulls it so far out of the bag as Leo. It's like one of the best things ever. The animation is sleek and dynamic and gorgeous. The backgrounds are absolutely stunning. Matt Mahaffey's soundtrack is absolute chef's kiss. It's so funny. It's so exciting. It kicks you in the heart a couple of times. Yes, I cried and I'm not embarrassed to say it. Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the movie. Tip of the hat to you, movie, for being so good. Bye. Hey Stuart, Alan Burke here from All Star Superfan Podcast. Looking back over 2022, very little springs to mind when it comes to quality filmmaking. I think 2022 was overall mediocre at best, and I must confess, my interest is exhausted when it comes to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which I feel should have taken a minimum five-year break after Endgame. The big event excitement aspect of those films has dissipated for me personally, with what seems like just more of the same with diminishing returns each time how I longed to return to the days of Superman the movie and Batman 89. Saying that, there was one movie that really made me smile this year. No, it's not some black and white French noir subtitle fair. It's a blockbuster in every sense of the word. Top Gun Maverick was so much fun that I don't think I stopped smiling from opening to closing credits. It exemplified everything a sequel should be and that it gave the audience exactly what we wanted while perhaps even improving upon the original. Yes, maybe it stole some plot elements from A New Hope, but when a movie is that enjoyable and that entertaining from start to finish, who really cares? Top Gun Maverick gets my pick for 2022. Take care. My name's Damien Edwardson. I'm one half of Art92 and the host of the Omen to That podcast. My film of 2022 was the sleeper hit by Dan Trachtenberg, Prey, starring the brilliant Amber Midthunder. It's probably the finest sequel in the Predator franchise. If you haven't already checked it out, then you should do. If you're a fan of Predator or a fan of great female leads in the kind of Ripley mould of kick-ass action, this is the one for you. 
Hello there, John Tucker here, regular guest panellist on And Why Not, and my film of 2022 was quite simply Jackass Forever, the fourth instalment of the Jackass Cinematic Universe. Jackass has always been about the duality of man, the urge to kick your friend's penises and balls and the love you share with those same friends, and Jackass Forever did not disappoint. I give Jackass Forever five thumbs up. Thanks. Hey there, Andy CT from the Horror Hangout podcast and Horde Comics here. Um, You were good enough to have me join you earlier this year to talk about one of my favourite movies, A Town Called Panic. Uh, I am going to stick to my natural habitat um, when it comes to a recommendation for the year and going to horror movies, and there was a lot to choose from. We could have gone for great movies like Barbarian or Stalker, but in keeping with the topic we discussed, I'm going to suggest to you Some Like It Rare. It is a French movie that saw international release this year in a couple of festivals. It is about struggling butchers who manage to turn their fortunes around when they start, accidentally at first, cooking human meat, very specifically vegans. Um, It is a great laugh. You'll enjoy it if you manage to pick up a copy and watch it somewhere. Highly recommended. And I hope to chat to you about more movies, horror, comedy, French or otherwise, very soon. Cheers. My name is Helena, one half of Art 92, and my film for 2022 is See How They Run. It's written by Mark Chappelle and directed by Tom George, but it's very Wes Anderson-esque in its farcical nature. It's based in 1950s West End of London and what ensues when plans for a movie version of a smash hit play come to a grinding halt. The main actors are Sam Rockwell, Saoirse Ronan and David Ayelowo. I can't recommend it enough. Go watch it. Hello, this is Rob from the All-Star Superfan Podcast. Uh, I appeared on the uh, Taffin episode with Stuart, and I also did an episode on Dick Tracy, uh, both of which I had a lot of fun uh, talking about. So thank you very much for having me on, Stuart. Uh, My favourite movie of 2022 has got to be Baz Luhrmann's Elvis. Uh, I was absolutely blown away by it. I was really, really looking forward to it. I always thought he was the perfect director to make an Elvis biopic. And I knew it would be completely off the wall and completely crazy. I also knew that a lot of people were probably not going to like it. And all of those things are true. Um, But thankfully, a lot of people do really, really dig it. Um, I'm one of them. Uh, I thought the final scene where it uh, switches to actual archive of Elvis uh, playing one of his final uh, performances ever he sings Unchained Melody and uh, it's the first time they've used that footage ever since the actual broadcast and it just blew me away it was like pure cinema I thought Austin Butler throughout the movie was astronomical he was incredible Tom Hanks was playing a sniveling pantomime villain Completely over the top and completely brilliant. Uh, I loved the production design. I loved the costumes. I just loved absolutely everything about the film. It is a 10 out of 10 and it, in my opinion, is one of the best films I've ever seen. Um, And I can't wait to watch it for a third time. So thanks a million, Stuart. Uh, Looking forward to being back on, I hope, in 2023. Talking about movies that are not anywhere near as good as this one. Godspeed. Hi there, this is Tom Stewart from the That Comics Mel podcast. Continue to listen to And Why Not. It's such a great podcast. Stuart does a great job. And he's got some amazing amount of films under his belt. The man has some good film knowledge. Uh, I'm here to say that my favourite film of 2022 was Top Gun Maverick. What a movie, eh? Made everybody go back to the cinema again and have fun. Uh, Have a great new year. 
enjoy listening to And Why Not, as I have done this entire year. And hopefully see you all across at that comics mail sometime soon. I'd like to thank all the previous guests from the year who shared their favourite films of the year with us. I truly appreciate it. And now, without further ado, let's move on to my number one film of 2022. Can you come help me set up? What do we need to set up? The room for the meeting. But the room's okay? I think so. The placement of the table is good. Do you have the tissue box? Of course. Oh, no, no, don't put it in the center. It looks freaky. Right. I'm sorry. Of course. What are these? That was a school project. It's supposed to be stained glass. Is there something wrong? I don't know if I can do it. Is the room okay for you? Table, chairs, Jesus watching us. It's great. Richard, Linda, this is Jay and Gail Perry. How are you? I'm fine. Thanks. I'm grateful to see you all together, finally. And I'm hopeful that we all think that this was a good thing to do by the time we leave here today. We want to listen. And we want to heal. What would you like to know? Everything. I want to know everything. Why? Why do I want to know about your son? Because he killed mine. How far back would you like to go? Wherever you need. Because I can tell you everything. But there's so much that no one will ever know. Even with all the professional advice, it came down to the two of us making the choices. Where's your regret? The worst outcome imaginable happened. Any change I might have made could have resulted in a different outcome. I regret everything. We believed we were good parents. I love my children. Other parents, I wasn't so different. How did I do things so differently? I raised a murderer. I know what happened. No, you do not know how my son died. You do not know. I know. I know how he fought. How he died. How he died. Without doubt, my film of 2022 is Mass. Mass blew me away when it premiered as a Sky original in January this year, and it has stayed with me throughout the rest of this year, sitting firmly and unchallenged at the top of my top 10 of the year list. On paper, Mass doesn't sound like it's going to be much fun to watch, and in many ways, trying to give a basic synopsis of the film probably won't make it sound any more appealing to spend noon on. But it's an incredibly rewarding film, and one that is so much more than the synopsis may make it appear to be. At its heart, Mass is a study of people, their grief, and their attempts to alleviate the mass of that grief by trying to understand the tragic events that led to it. The bulk of the film takes place between four people, stunningly played by Jason Isaacs, Martha Plimpton, Anne Dowd and Reed Burney, sat at a table in a function room in a church. Again, it doesn't sound like the most thrilling watch, but it's an incredibly worthwhile film, with riveting performances by the four main actors and superb dialogue and direction from writer-director Fran Kranz. Mass is without doubt my film of 2022, if you get a chance to see it on Sky or now or wherever, I highly recommend watching it. I didn't mean to offend. Oh. I just think that we find through blame our means to change. And I want to question that. I want to look at everything because I blame myself. And I can't change that. What do you mean? I can't. When you say that, what do you, what do you mean? When you say that. I can't change what I've done. You, so you blame yourself. 
I'm asking, do you blame yourself? No, I want to know. I didn't come here to talk fucking politics. You know? I want to know. We don't want to interrogate. I can imagine how hard it is to live with his actions. It is. But our loss. Please just tell me what you mean by that. When you talk about blame on your part, I want to know what you're referring to. There is nothing that wasn't covered in the depositions. But I want to hear it now. We never filed against you. We never took part in any of that. Maybe a better way than interrogating is to, to learn Fine. what we remember. Fine. So, tell me what you remember. Tell me about your son. What would you like to know? Everything. I want to know everything. Why? Why do I want to know about your son? Because he killed mine. And there we have it. That's my 10 favourite films of 2022. Hopefully there are a few surprises in the list, and maybe even a few you might be tempted to check out yourself. Please be sure to let me know your favourite films of the year in the comments wherever you see this episode posted. I'd like to thank everybody who has been a guest on the pod during 2022. It means a lot to me that you've come on to talk about the films with me, and I'd like to thank everyone who's listened. I truly appreciate you letting us be a part of your life, whether it's just for this episode or throughout the year. We'll be back in February with our regular episodes of Film Chat. But until then, this has been a Nose Who Haunted Themselves production, and I've been Stuart Moraine. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this Films of the Year episode. I hope you have a great 2023. Bye for now.